Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. You're listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. With Cam Lewis and Tyler Uremchuk. Welcome into episode 112 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. I am your host, Coomzy, as Tyler Uremchuk is on yet another vacation. He's doing what he does best, which is hashtag avoid the grind. He's in Buffalo watching Monday Night Football. So in his place, we have BK. BK, how's it going? Yeah, I'm doing well. Blue Jays are playing well, and uh, yeah, good time to be talking baseball. They're thriving. It's um, Things weren't looking amazing coming into September, but things have gone quite well. The Jays just wrapped up a homestand in which they went 5-3 and three as they took three games from Tampa, and then they took two of three from Baltimore. It was a bit of a disappointing conclusion to the Baltimore series, but all told, not terrible. The Jays are now five and two against the Orioles in September, which is great because I mean, there was a point in time there where we were weirdly nervous about playing the Orioles in September. It looked like there was some bad vibes there, but the Jays pulled through and they, you know, they're, they're, they're hitting their stride at the right time. Yeah. I was just thinking that before uh, we hopped on the, uh, the pod here that the, the Orioles, it was nice to get to a place where they don't scare me anymore. And that's not a shot at them. I think the Orioles have some really good players and they're going to be good in the future. And they aren't the like, you know, you're supposed to win like 90% of the games type team they were in past years. But I was kind of, it kind of got to the point where we were just terrified of them. They just kept winning games against the Jays and were being just super annoying to play against and everything going right for them. And uh, yeah, it's been nice to have back-to-back series where they go, you know, five and two against the Orioles, play some good ball. Um, and yeah, they, it doesn't feel like they've they've taken on that like Tampa Bay curse where it just any every time you play them, it's just this awful feeling. Um, I, I was worried like, oh no, we're we gonna have another team like that in the division. But uh, but yeah, it's nice to take five of seven in the last two series against them. And uh, yeah, it's some some good progress and much needed wins for the Jays to put some space between them and the Orioles. Sticking with Baltimore, kind of their turnaround has been absolutely bananas to watch because last year they went fifty two and one hundred and ten, which is beyond bad. That's not just bad. That's extremely bad. So their win-loss percentage right now on this season, they're 76 and 69. They've Their, their win-loss percentage is 524. Last year, their win-loss percentage is 321. Like, that's a significant change for them. And, I mean, you look at the kind of the landscape of the American League East next season. I mean, you can never really discount either the Red Sox or the Yankees. The Red Sox seem like they might be ready to spend some cash this offseason um, Tampa, you know, they're always pretty good. Now you have Baltimore in the mix, and they're solid. It's you know, you have now five teams, basically, I think, kind of heading into 2023, where you're like that, that all five of these teams can make the playoffs, which is nuts. Yeah, it, it doesn't make any sense to have like, you, you look at other divisions around the sport, and there are teams that are just always terrible, or at least there's like a cyclical nature where, you know, in another division, there's always two bad teams. 
Um, feels very unfair to be in a division where the four other teams are going to range between like probably average at worst to like great at best. Um, yeah, it creates a really challenging dynamic to have to play those teams so much. Obviously, the the schedule changing next year and it not being uh, or being a little more balanced than it's been in the past will be helpful to the Jays. But um, yeah, this division's, I mean, the foreseeable future, uh, basically this Blue Jays core will never have a division again that isn't incredibly challenging top to bottom, which isn't my favorite. I, I would be more than happy to have really bad teams that you get to beat up on, uh, you know, 13 times a year, like the Orioles of old or uh, playing in the AL Central. That'd be or, amazing. <laughs> that would be amazing. Um, and it just doesn't doesn't work out that way being in the East. So yeah, the the Jays have a have a very difficult task ahead of them. You know, both short, medium, long term future. But they've also got a good organization, a good group of players, and and a lot of talent to be a major factor in that discussion as well. It does also feel kind of like the Blue Jays and the Orioles are creating a little bit of a rivalry. There seems to be a little bit of an edge brewing here, which I think is fun. Anyways, that's. A lot of preamble we should probably jump into talking about what exactly it was that did happen this weekend against the Baltimore Orioles. Let's get into three up, three down, which is brought to you by DoorDash, Ding Dong, promo code BJNPod. DD gets first-time users of the app 25% off with no delivery fees. So go ahead and order yourself something to eat for dinner tonight. BJNPod DD is your promo code. The first up I have is in the first game of the series on Friday, I think a lot of us came into that thinking this might be a scheduled loss because it's going to be a bullpen day. They have Trevor Richards as the opener with Yusei Kikuchi following him. And Trevor Richards in his previous outing on the Thursday got lit up by Tampa Bay in the ninth inning. He was only able to get, what, two outs and he allowed five or six runs. Comes out the next day and strikes out the side. Trevor Richards had... He's had a weird season. He had a bad start. He went on the injured list and then he started doing really well. And then he had a few really rough outings when they started to use him more, but then he came out like a man possessed on Friday. What do you think about Trevor Richards this year? Yeah, it's not a guy you probably want in high leverage because of the up and down nature of his season. But uh, I mean, people would be surprised to know that he's the best strikeout bullpen arm the Blue Jays have like Shocking. more than Romano. Yeah. He, he strikes out a lot of guys. He's got a nasty change up. His issue is just control. Um, earlier in the season, it was more about home runs. He was giving up, like he would walk two guys and then give up a home run kind of thing. And that's why the numbers were so bad. Uh, deservedly, he was pitching poorly. And even still, since coming off the DL, there's been a little bit of the control problems. It's been better than it was earlier in the season. Um, he's giving up the loud contact a little bit less. Like you said, there was a couple games there where he did struggle, but it was weird to see them go with him as the opener following 29 pitches the night before. I kind of figured when he came out for the ninth uh, in that, you know, uh, kind of cleanup duty um, in that uh, what ended up being the 11 nothing game against the Rays that, you know, that just meant, okay, he wasn't in the cards or in the plans for the, uh, for the bullpen game the next day and was proven wrong on that was surprised, but uh, yeah, pretty impressive to see a terrible looking 29 pitch relief outing <laughs> followed by a three, three batter, three strikeout inning uh, the next day. Uh, pretty, pretty weird turnaround for him, but we'll take it. And all told, the Blue Jays' bullpen games have actually gone pretty well. I don't have the numbers in front of me. People hate the term. They hate the concept. They think it's so much worse than it is. But the Jays, in these, like, you know, small handful of bullpen games they've had, they've, they've fared pretty well on the pitching side. And it hasn't seemed to hurt them too much on the games before and after that as far as relief, or usage, relief usage and stuff like that. So 
Um, again, it's not a it's not a plan you want to have going into any season or to be doing it for a long period of time. But the Jays are just trying to survive the rotation to get to the playoffs. And it's fine if it's going to happen two or three more times. It's not the end of the world. And it's worked out pretty well so far. Second here I'm going to give is to Matt Chapman. He goes four for 12 in the series, including two dingers in that first game. Key performance. Man Chapman has never really seemed like the best guy on the team, but he's quietly put up a fantastic season. I think everybody was really excited, obviously, when that trade was made, but I don't think we really realized just how quietly good Chapman is, how consistently strong he is, because even if he's not contributing with the bat so much, his defense is so good that you feel so confident. You know, you feel so confident with him in the field, and now his bat's coming around. He's had some nice hot streaks. I mean, I think Chapman, if you wanted to say, has been probably the most quiet star on the Blue Jays this year. You think about Bo getting hot, or you think about Vladdy, or whatever, George Springer, Alec Manoa, and Chapman kind of slides behind that a little bit. But he's really been fantastic, and that's been, you know, that trade looked good from moment one, and it gets better looking every single day. Yeah, he, he's been a bit streaky. He started pretty slow offensively and, and had his like juggernaut stretch too. But all told, the season-long numbers are, are really solid. Um, he's got four uh, Fangraphs war this season. And if you were told that going into the season, I think you'd be pretty happy to take it, right? And like you mentioned, the, the defense was a big deal. We always knew that. Um, Chapman used to be an elite hitter. Like his, I want to say his 2018-2019 uh, seasons with the A's, he was unbelievable. Like he, he was this player or an elite defender, but then paired it with a phenomenal bat. He was basically an MVP type talent. And then uh, 2020, obviously pandemic season, 2021, he dealt with some hip stuff. Uh, he was not the same hitter. He started striking out a ton more and was basically a league average or slightly worse bat while still playing really good defense. Um, this year, I, so that's kind of what you were wondering. What are the Jays buying here when they make a trade for two years of Matt Chapman? is, you know, okay, because the defense stayed strong while he fought the injury the year before, you had, you know, reason to believe that the defense was going to be good. But what were you getting with the bat? And the Jays have gotten better than he was the previous two years by a decent margin. Like I said, he's got a a four war, but he's got a 121 weighted runs created plus. So it's a pretty good number. He's 21% better than league average offensively. And uh, yeah, I mean, very quietly been a a star player on this team. Bobachette's the only player ahead of him in uh, Fangraph's war this season. That's shocking. You, you, like you said, that was the there was the kind of slow start, and it was like, oh, geez, maybe this guy's bat's not going to come around. He's just going to be a defense first guy. But here we are. I mean, it's 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 always going to be funny to me that Oakland will just go ahead and give the Blue Jays a third baseman every few years. It's just like the <laughs> thing that they do. It's like, ah, geez, the Jays don't have a third baseman. What are they going to do? Ah, we'll give the Oakland A's a call and they'll hook us up. The third up that I have. This is kind of a random one, but Rymel Tapia coming up clutch in the second game. The Jays won both the Friday and Saturday games, 6-3 and 6-3 again. And Tapia comes up with a huge bases clearing hit. It's nice having a guy, and I mean, I don't know if I want to go so far to say is that Tapia is super clutch, but he seems like the kind of guy who can come through because he does have pretty good bat-to-ball skills, right, and great speed too. So it seems the Jays kind of right now have a handful of guys coming through for them. It's not like, you know, at the beginning half of the month, it really was Bo carrying the team. He was mm-hmm. the one hog guy. And we just talk about Chapman there. He has a big game on Friday and then Rymel Tapia comes through. I mean, the lineup seems deeper right now than it did maybe a month ago. Yeah. There's more contributors from a game to game period. Um, it still feels like we haven't hit that anywhere close to that June, July, everyone's borderline hot type of offense the Jays had 
at this point, yeah, I mean, we, it was the Bo show early in the month. And then that's fallen into, you know, just different contributors here and there. Matt Chapman, two home run game. Uh, Tapia, like we're talking about now, uh, having a bases clearing double that he crushes to the wall. Tapia is more or less or typically uh, a bat to ball guy and a lot of ground balls. And, and as we've seen with ground ball hitters, they can be very streaky because sometimes you get in a run where those ground balls are finding the outfield grass and other times they aren't. They're finding a glove every single time. So he, he's had, and this is kind of a storyline of a lot of individual Blue Jays this year, but he's had, you know, a streaky season and the, the overall numbers aren't great, but he's been a nice addition to the team. Uh, you know, kind of, he functions all right as like a fourth outfielder. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, just, just to have that big moment, right. Base is loaded. You need a key hit pitcher hangs a slider. Tapia takes it, you know, is just about as far as he's going to hit a ball, uh, you know, it was 400 feet at the center field. So, or right center. So yeah, it was a, a huge moment for the Jays. Um, Really, uh, yeah, just kind of helps. It, that almost felt like the moment the Orioles died because Jays get that hit. They go up, I believe, six to two at the time. That, that you know they win that game. It meant they were going to win the series, and uh, it kind of felt like the moment where you're now putting the Orioles behind you. You got to play them a lot still, but you're kind of just stomped on the uh, throat of their playoff dreams. It actually, now that you bring that up, it reminds me of back in, it was right after the All-Star break when the Jays had that absurd game against the Sox. They won, what was it, I don't know, 23 to something. They scored like 20 28. 28. 28. And it was the Tapia inside the park grand slam where I thought the Boston Red Sox are done this season. <laughs> That's it. So, so Rymel Tapia's ended the seasons, I think, of two different American League East teams. Maybe he'll do it with the Tampa Bay Rays. He seems like the kind of guy, I don't know, there's, 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 there's nothing to base this on, but he seems like the kind of guy who would come up with a big hit in the playoffs. He just does. He just has that vibe, right? The, the Ezekiel Carrera of yes. 2022? Is that, yeah, the, uh, the can't actually really hit all that well, left-handed no. outfielder who's a bit of an adventure and a bit of a character. And yeah, I mean, I hadn't thought about that until now, but sure, if we're looking at, uh, you know, former playoff life parallels, let's go... Uh, uh, Tapia is the new Zeke. New, new playoff legend. Playoff legend Zeke Carrera. So we're going to slip now to the three downs, which is only going to be one down because we have a whole bunch of stuff to cover. And I don't want to be negative today. It seems like this has been a good stretch for the Jays. Things are feeling nice. So the one down is going to be the fact that Jordan Romano blew, I think, his first ever save at home in Toronto. He had been 32 for 32 prior to that. He came into the ninth inning in Sunday's game. The Jays were winning and he completely melted down, walks two guys, four hits, allows three earned runs. So the unfortunate thing here was that not only did he blow the save, the Jays were winning by one run. So he blows the save, but he also lets Baltimore crawl ahead by a pretty significant amount to make a comeback in the bottom of the ninth more difficult. The Jays did tag on a run on Felix Bautista, but they still wind up losing five to four. Is there anything to worry about here with Jordan Romano? He's obviously been absolutely nails all year and they use him quite a bit. So he's bound for a stinker every once in a while, right? Yeah, I I was worried about Romano earlier in the season because uh, he had this pretty long stretch. I want to say it was like six weeks where he was converting saves, but there was constantly base runners. His yep. velocity was down to like 95. Um, he you know, was getting hit hard and he, you know, the loud outs and walking guys, like his control wasn't there. His peripherals were like a significant step back from what he did last year. And then all of a sudden, I, I don't remember the exact date when it happened, but he like flipped a switch and became a legitimate re elite reliever again. The stuff matched the results, uh, which like I said, was missing earlier in the season. 
And he's been money. He's been money for a very long time. Uh, so no, I, I have no worries. This is just like, that's baseball, right? Um, we're terrified of Felix Batista is 102 mile an hour fastball yeah. with the Orioles and he's a monster. George Springer came like two feet from hitting a massive, you know, would have been a huge blow home run uh, against him that same game. Like closers are going to give up contact on occasion and have those types of games. If anything, it was probably a, a nice reminder to Romano that he shouldn't be so slider heavy where the opposition could sit on it. Romano's talked about it now that his velocity with his fastballs back to like that 98 range, 99, that it almost makes a slider even better because hitters just don't have time to gear up for that if they're also thinking 99 fastball in the back of their head. So he's been throwing a slider more than he has all season, despite the fastball velocity. And he's been up near like 80% lately. And so if a you know, team being smart like the Orioles, they just sat on it. They said, okay, well, this is the pitch we're going to attack. And it came back to bite them. So it was just a game plan or an execution that didn't work out well. Um, I think a slider had a little bit less movement, but again, just a single game. Um, the velocity more or less was still there on his fastball. It was just too many sliders and a good game plan from the opposition. You tip your cap. And it's weird, like, how many ugly bullpen moments have we had experienced in these last two months? Not many. Like, Not since the trade deadline, no. No, it since, hasn't. Uh, I want to say since the deadline, the, the Jays have, like, the eighth best bullpen ERA in baseball. I thought it would be better, if, to be honest with you. Well, and if you just narrow that down to, like, the key guys, um, it, you know, kind of who you'd consider to be maybe your top four in the pen, it's even better. Like, they're, they're getting consistent production out of uh, Jimmy, Bass, Romano, um, Simber still worries me a little bit, but, uh, you know, it Mesa, you know, not somebody you have a ton of faith in, but he's, you know, he's probably better than people think as well. Um, Phelps has been more or less solid. Uh, the, the bullpen's fine. Like it's, it's, it's a decent unit that obviously, you know, you lack some of the things you'd want out of, uh, um, out of a bullpen, like, like even more strikeout, you know, obviously and, and more velocity, and hopefully, you know, maybe you take this core of bullpen that you have and add one more, you know, borderline elite reliever to it in the offseason. But at that point, you're in a pretty good spot. Like, it's it's not a bad bullpen. Uh, you'll enter the playoffs as probably, a, you know, comparing to other playoff teams. Maybe in your matchups, you will have a worse bullpen than any team you're going up against. But, you know, it, people thought this was the, just the worst part of the team and, and a, a significant weakness early in the year. And it hasn't been that in a while. They've performed very well for quite a while now. I'd say this is one of the strongest bullpens. I can remember them running into a, a, a playoff run with. I didn't feel as good about the bullpen in either 2015 or 2016 as I do now, I don't think. Uh, maybe that's just a recency bias thing for me, but I mean, I feel like there's a tremendous amount of depth in this bullpen. Anyways, let's go to around the American League, and I'm going to start off with the wildcard teams before I ask you an American League East-based question. The Tampa Bay Rays won two of three against Texas and are now a half game back of Toronto with one game in hand. And of course they will play each other in a four game series at the Trop this weekend. Uh, the, Bar the Baltimore Orioles, as we know, lost two or three to the Jays. They're now six games back of the Jays, four games back of Seattle who lost three of four to the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Uh, Seattle's off to play Oakland next. The New York Yankees lost two of three to Milwaukee and they're now only up five five and a half games on Toronto, which is insane because it was only a couple months ago. Their lead in the division was like 14 games. And I mean, the question for you that I have is catching the Yankees still possible. They play each other. I think it's three more times and the Yankees are only 19 and 24 since the start of August. There's not much runway here and it's pretty unlikely, but it's technically possible. Maybe. 
going we're so we're taping this on Monday. Going back yeah. to the Sunday games, living in the alternate reality where Jordan Romano locks down the save as he normally always does, and the Yankees were down four one in that game at one point. And yes, you mentioned five and a half game spread. If both those games hold, like you know, if if that four one lead by Milwaukee they can sustain through, and the Blue Jays win, this is three and a half. And boy, we'd be having a fun discussion right now about that. Unfortunately, that's not the reality we're living in. Uh, both games went negative way after, uh, you know, what seemed like pretty promising starts. So, uh, yeah, I mean, is it likely? Not at all. Is it possible? Sure. I, what what needs to happen, and it should probably be viewed by fans through this lens, the Blue Jays have to sweep the Yankees. They've yeah. got an upcoming series against them, three games. Not only is that critical, obviously, to gain three games on the Yankees, but if the Blue Jays don't sweep them, they do not own the tiebreaker on the Yankees. The Yankees own it. So basically, if they finish the season tied, whoever wins more of the head-to-head matchups wins the AL East. So right now, the Yankees have a two-game lead on the Jays. I think it's like 9-7 or something like that as the season series. So yes, the Blue Jays yeah, have to win. To yeah, so the Jays have to win all three games to then be ahead 10-9, um, which will, obviously, like I said, give them the tiebreaker. So if you view it through that lens, they're like two and a half back with the need to sweep. Making up two and a half games over the remaining chunk of schedule that exists, doable, possible, again, likely, it's not likely, but if they can somehow find a way to sweeping that series, it's far more realistic. And I think if they lose one of those games, that just kind of marks the end of the division pursuit. And, uh, you know, you're staring down what would then be, um, yeah, wild card, which has kind of been our expectation for a very long period of time. Uh, but man, get, put me in that reality where Sunday goes perfectly as yeah. we would have wanted it to and three and a half right now. Oh man, that would be, that would be crazy. That'd be very exciting. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, th- these games against the Rays as far as standings implications are far more important, um, coming up later this week. And, uh, but yeah, if you can have a good series there and somehow find a way to win three or four at the trough, which seems very unlikely, but let's just say somehow you pull that off. You're walking into the Yankees series, you know, thinking like, okay, let's let's pull off the improbable, the incredible, and and go win three games. They've done it. I mean, the the Jays last um, what was would that been late August or September of last year? They did a four game sweep at Yankee Stadium. Like pulling off a three game sweep of the Yankees at home is not at all inconceivable. But if you had told me back in mid July when the Jays had just been swept in that four game series in Seattle, which I'm sure you remember very well. And the Jays at that time were 16.5 games back of the division. If you had told me they'd be five and a half back in the middle of September with a, let's call it a 5% chance of catching the Yankees, I'd be thrilled. So here we are. But like you said, the expectation is the wild card series. And that's a good segue to our mailbag segment. We've got a handful of questions people have asked us on Twitter. And the first one I'm going to jump into comes from JJ. And he's wanting to know, do you think Tampa or Seattle would be the better matchup for the Jays in the wild card series? Even though you guys are logical, you're allowed to factor in the trop curse for your answer. And I'll also add to this question and throw in the American League Central teams. Where would you want the Jays to finish in the wild card if, if you had it your way? Because this is, this is tricky. This is weird. It the new is wild weird. card is weird. I think wild card one is nice because it does lend something to the fact that the Jays finished the season stronger than the other two wild card teams. Um, obviously, you know, there's perceived home field adva- advantage. I'm not sure entirely how valuable that is or isn't. But yeah, I mean, I think what we know is wild card two is the worst place to finish. But again, I don't think you play for it. Maybe final weekend, if like wild card one is out of the question, 
then you just line up your rotation for the playoffs and still try to win those games, but you maybe look at them a little differently. But yeah, I mean, ideally, if you're finishing as a wildcard team, to me, finish wildcard one. I, I hate choosing between these two teams. I The Mariners, from a pure roster, non-Rays like you know Rays terrify me way, the Mariners roster worries me more. I think they are better equipped for a, for, for a short uh, series. Even if Robbie Ray was ineligible to come to Canada, like let's say the Jays are wildcard one, Mariners are wildcard two, the rotation would be Luis Castillo, um, borderline ace, uh, probably ace. I'm, I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, calling Luis he's a legit ace. number one for sure. Um, people probably aren't paying enough attention to the season George Kirby's having as a rookie. Really in good. Seattle. Like, like he's he's an ace to me. Like his stuff, everything he has, he just has to prove it over longevity. But George Kirby is elite tier stuff, and he's doing some things this year that are kind of being slept on in the greater baseball world, probably because the rookie class is so strong. And he was called up later in the season, like he didn't get the full season in the bigs. But George Kirby is nasty. And then, uh, yeah, either like Robbie Ray's pitching uh, one of the games or it's Logan Gilbert, who didn't scare me in August because he was doing some weird regression thing and maybe a dead arm or I don't know what it is. But he went from striking out like five per nine in August to thirteen point nine in thirteen per nine in 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 September. He's he's like all the way back to like early season last year version Logan Gilbert, who again a very good pitcher, like a like a solid number two or number three pitcher. So they've got a great rotation to face in a three game series, but their no their bullpen is nasty, nasty. Andreas Munoz, um, another player probably being slept on, but he's like got like Edwin Diaz caliber stuff, like just insane. He's got the one one fastball walks, nobody elite slider, um, you know, Seawald, uh, Swanson, they've got uh, Diego Castillo. They just have this bullpen that like, you know, if a pitcher comes out after five, you're not exhaling at all. You're just going to be hit with somebody who's great. And that's going to continue on through inning nine. So um I think the Rays have a weaker, just factoring in health as well, a weaker roster than the Mariners right now. Um, but yeah, would I rather go to T-Mobile Park if you're a road team or the Trop? I'm going to say the Trop and hate myself for that answer. Wow. But I, I don't think the Canadian invasion we're used to in Seattle would exist. No. One, that market has waited 20 years for the playoffs. Yep. They're going to sell it out and everybody locally is going to want to go. Two, the Canadian invasion happens because fans can plan for it. Whereas we're not going to know who's playing where in the playoffs until right before they start. And by that point, Mariners fans will already have all pre-bought the tickets and Blue Jays fans in Canada would have to be able to, you know, take time off to go to the series within a few days notice. So yes, there'll be Jays would fans you? in Seattle. I would. Oh yeah, you would. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I re- yeah, I would probably plan to be there, but I would not expect it to be a no Jays atmosphere at all, or even be a handful of Jays fans. But it wouldn't yeah. be. It wouldn't be the the July thing, of course. Not even close. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I, 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 I do worry a little bit that you've you've slept on the Rays. I feel like we might be waking up a sleeping giant. Anyways, on to the next question that comes from Riley. We kind of addressed one part of his question already. He asked, do you think Romano will be this dip, uh, this dominant in the playoffs? If players are in a slider, will he be hittable? You kind of answered that before. Um, how far do we go without Vlad and Teo being consistent at the plate? And also the, se- the third part of the question is, is it more important to have Ross Stripling in the bullpen or as a starter in the playoffs? Which kind of lends the question for... 
how would the Blue Jays set up their rotation? Your number one and two are Alec Manoa and Kevin Gosman. Is Barrios your number three? Or do you have Stripling start as your third? He's been better technically. That's that's an interesting one. And a handful of good questions there from Riley. Yeah, the the Stripling, um, first of all, he's in a rotation for me. Like the only, the only series where he wouldn't, uh, where it'd even be possible to think of him as out of the rotation is in a wildcard three game series. But Stripling's in any four-man rotation, which is what you need once you're beyond the wild card. So really, this question is, do you go Barrios, third starter, put Stripling in the bullpen for that um, uh, for the wild card series? And and I, I I probably lean Stripling to start a third game in uh, in, in wild card series, uh, just because of obviously the volatility we've seen with Barrios. Um, it doesn't mean you're going deep into a game with stripling, like, you know, four or five innings, you know, hope you can get out of that with like a run or two and then move on to the bullpen. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm probably comfortable holding that back and, and probably the way you frame it to Brios, cause that's a tough conversation to have is, is, you know, walk them through how good stripling's been and say, Brios, you're probably our game one guy if we advance to the next series. And that's a critical uh, game for us to get off the right foot too. So um, some of this is hard to discuss because we don't know how the season's going to finish and if they're going to need to keep like using the rotation as normal all the way through the end or not. Um, cause that's a factor, but, uh, but yeah, striplings in, in a four man rotation to me, he'd be in the three man rotation. And I don't think he's at all as valuable to the team out of the bullpen as he would be, uh, starting a game. All right. And then Lewis asks, what would you be? What What would your ideal lineup be if you were going into Game Seven of the World Series? Who's playing and who's on the bench? Who's where? It's a little bit difficult to answer because we don't know if we're going up against a lefty or a righty. But who do you want to have in a do or die situation? Yeah, so this is both a good question and one I I like didn't you know game plan for too much. But basically, the the Jays if if uh, Guriel's healthy, the Jays have a lineup where your first baseman is set your shortstop set your third base set left field center field um right field or at least playing maybe you dh one of those guys but really it comes down to espinal biggio merrifield for second base um which for me i'm going biggio if it's a righty espinal for a lefty um and then at dh are you going are you going jano catcher kirk dh or is Kirk DH or Kirk catching and uh, you're doing something else with the DH spot. So to me, the options there are, you know, do you start like Tapia and move one of the outfielders to the DH spot, like uh, Lourdes or Teo? Um, do you go Jackie Bradley Jr. to have like really strong defense in the outfield? I don't think I'm starting Jackie Bradley Jr. Um, as likable a guy he is, he just can't hit. And he had a, he had a couple noteworthy hits his first like week with the team. And I think that sustained him a little bit in the eyes of fans. Cause he threw some walks. Dreadful. Oh, just dreadful since, you know, those first couple games. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I, I don't want Jackie Bradley jr. In that lineup. So yeah, I don't know. I it, basically it's like, do you want Tapia playing outfield and definitely where, you know, if you have a lead, you're pulling him for one of those defensive guys. Right. Or do you want uh, Jansen in the game? Um, I would maybe lean that way, even though I don't think Jansen's a better like catcher than Kirk is. Um, but yeah, I'd probably lean that way, keep Tapia on the bench. Um, and then, uh, yeah, it's a little less complicated if you have to remove Kirk for pinch running reasons or something like that. You're not like losing the DH by pulling... Uh, um, uh, sorry, you're not going down to your only catcher and Jansen to replace him if it's behind the plate. So... Yeah, I'm probably going that route. What do you think? 
That's a tough one. It's um, it, it ultimately to me comes down to who's starting for both teams because you know yeah. you have certain guys who pitch better to certain catchers. I don't think I would try to do anything too cute. I wouldn't do Zimmer or JBJ in center field just for the defense. I don't think it's worthwhile. I think you also just go with the hot hand. Like you know, think back to 2016. Did anybody know that Zeke Carrera was going to heat up and do what he's doing? You have to keep him in the lineup, of course. You don't really know if Rymel Tapia is randomly the guy who's killing it in late September, then that's what you do. I think it's really just a hot hand thing. And the Jays have a whole bunch of guys who can get hot. And okay. So sticking with Lewis, he asks a second question. And this is an interesting one. I think we can dive into this, like with quite a bit of depth. There's a lot to talk about here is what do you think the outfield looks like next season? Do you trade one of Guriel or Tay Oscar? Do you move George Springer to right field? Can he continue to do center field? Do you sign somebody, maybe a Joey Gallo? or a Nimmo or somebody like that, what direction do the Jays go? Because it's hard to imagine their outfield coming back the exact same in 2023. Yeah. And I think that's just my answer. It's hard to imagine it being the same. I'm not confident in any specifics. It's just too far out. There's too many factors to know uh, too many unknown factors, but yes, I, I do think there will be uh, an everyday left-handed bat added who plays outfield. Uh, could be a Michael Conforto, you know, coming back from his injury kind of guy. Uh, Nimmo obviously is kind of the dream target. There's, you know, I, I think that's the route the Blue Jays will go. Who they move on from between Guriel or Teoscar, I'm not sure. Neither of them have much trade value. They're corner outfielders with a year left of control before free agency. That just typically isn't a valuable commodity on the trade market. So for people who think that those players are, you know, good trade assets, unfortunately, it's, 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 they're just not. Um, but I mean, you know, you can get something, yeah, you know, you get something for, for those guys. And then if you trade Tay Oscar, you've got more money in free agency, obviously, because Tay Oscar do, I want to say probably like 15 million next year, yep. 14, 15. Whereas Guriel, I have no idea how his money is going to come out because he's coming out of a fixed contract into arbitration. So I don't kind of know how an arbitrator would view, um, uh, past earnings and and have that form his his one year of ARB salary. So, but Guriel will be a lot cheaper next year, regardless. Um, I'm going to say at least seven million. So maybe that's a factor for people. Um, Teoscar is probably more valuable because of his ability to play left and right, whereas Guriel is left field only. Yeah. So there's a lot of factors here. I just expect one of them to be traded. Um, not for sure that Springer will be moved off of center field permanently but I could definitely see that happening but then whoever you bring in has to be center field capable and this goes back to what we've talked about for the last two years the Jays want more left-handed hitters they're not like ignoring this issue as if it doesn't exist it's just lining up with somebody in trade or lining up with somebody in free agency isn't always as easy as we make it out to be um, the Blue Jays know they want this they've been chasing it they chased Jose Ramirez and made great trade offers for him multiple times they want that impact left-handed bat they know it's valuable to this team. Sometimes the stars just don't align. And I mean, Nimmo is probably the only good hitting center field capable left-handed outfielder. And he's got a political vaccination component that, you know, a, a reputation that precedes him a little bit. So, you know, that, that he might, he might view Canada as a complete non-starter when it comes to negotiation. So these are the things that unfortunately exist, the factors that exist. Um, but yeah, I mean, the dream scenario for the Jays is they stumble into a left-handed hitting center fielder. Like that just completes the roster in an unbelievable way. Then Springer becomes your backup center fielder, but he just plays right field DH. And then he plays the occasional center fielder to relieve that guy. Like that's the dream, but the dream might not, exist in reality of somebody who's attainable for the Jays. So I'll be curious to see how it plays out, but it'll be a different outfield next year. 
Interesting you didn't bring up the possibility of the elite left-handed hitting Bradley Zimmer being the everyday center fielder next season. But that gets us to our last question, which comes from Dr. Internet Grecian5. He says, what would the Blue Jays record be if they played in the Tri-League? Hmm. It's an interesting one. So not the get it done league, the tri-league. Hmm. Josh Donaldson does not play in this league. He does not no. play in the tri-league. <laughs> no, so no. if the Blue Jays got sent down to the tri-league, would they be one of the better teams? <laughs> would this be advantageous to them? What, 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 what are we thinking here? Well, Dr. Internet, I, you, you, know, you put out this question, and in my head I'm like, oh, that should be easy to answer. Now I'm like, I have no idea how to qualify the tri-league, and now I'm stumbling all over this. Um, look, the, the Blue Jays, they, they all got vaccinated. So they're trying, they're trying to play. They want to be able to play in Toronto. That should matter. Trying harder than some other teams in that regard. Um, yeah, I, I got very little for, uh, for G5 here. Uh, Cam, I hope you have a good answer for me to, to save this one. It's just a phenomenal question. Of course. It's a good question. Uh, yeah. You trip us up. That's obviously a great question, but Cam, what do you have? That's why I saved this one for the end because I didn't want to start the question period knowing this was going to trip us up completely, <laughs> but I think they would thrive in this kind of league. I think we've seen some, some goofy Jays squads in the past that do well when, you know, things are more loose, things are more, more fooling around. You're, it's more, a little bit more, more experimental. We can see some, you know, some, some funky things with the lineup guys doing weird celebrations, things like that. I think that's what it means playing in the tri-league. I'm thinking how would the, the tri-league to me was only ever, what they were doing in early 2015 and it was this meant that they were not doing well so they were playing in the tri-league but they needed to move to the get it done league that's what the quote meant right that's right for those yeah. who don't know what we're talking about yeah exactly so that would be the reference um oh geez just an impossible question to answer and i think we're gonna have to put that back in the hands of uh dr internet to see what his answer would be because if you ask the question you gotta have an opinion on it yourself so let's uh, let's see if he listens and can give us uh, his thoughts on that Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Next up, we have Looking Ahead brought to you by PointsBet.com. 
Canada, head over to pointsbetcanada.ca and get involved with some betting stuff. I'm not a betting guy personally, but the Blue Jays are playing the Philadelphia Phillies next. In Philly, I imagine that PointsBet Canada has a whole bunch of lines and different prop bets and things you can do. You can probably figure out, um, is the Philly fanatic going to do something wacky during the series? Maybe you can put money down on that. You can put money down on the Blue Jays pulling off a two-game sweep of the Phillies. That would be ideal. On Tuesday, we will have Ross Stripling going up against Kyle Gibson. On Wednesday, we will have Kevin Gosman going up against their ace, Zach Wheeler. That'll be a very interesting pitching matchup. But the thing that's kind of on the horizon that's a little bit more interesting than this two-gamer with the Phillies is the upcoming four-game series with the Tampa Bay Rays, which should feature Jose Barrios, Alec Manoa, maybe a bullpen game slash Mitch White slash Yusei Kikuchi slash who knows, and then Ross Stripling would be lined up for the finale. It's going to be an interesting run down the stretch for the Blue Jays. There's a lot of very interesting games left on the schedule, especially this one in Tampa, which is going to have major implications on where the team finishes in the wildcard race. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting matchup is always going down to the trough and obviously a four gamer. You're going to have uh, obviously strong pitching as always with the Rays. And hopefully it's just an offense that you can uh, you can keep hold back. You know the the Rays have you know been kind of mediocre-ish offensively this season. They've obviously dealt with their share of injuries, and uh, yeah, I mean it, it's a big standing series, right? You want to win at least two so that you come out of it standing neutral. Dream scenario is you go into the trough and win three, uh, add two games of separation from them, keep the Yankee component catching them in the division alive for the the next series following that. So um, yeah, and it just one of those one of those games or one of those series where you get to stack yourselves up against um you know a, a difficult other opponent in their park and kind of show them you know how ready you are for the playoffs and and uh, the bright lights and and all that stuff so um yeah I'm, I'm excited for the race series the philly series will be you know fun just quick trip to philly where you've got bryce harper uh back who was um, obviously missed a chunk of this year and uh, the Jays unfortunately get Zach Wheeler coming back from injury in the second game of that series and he's you know obviously a, a, an ace himself so um, yeah a, a tough week of baseball on the road six uh, six games against tough opponents but should be fun and again it's always fun uh, as you approach the playoffs to start playing these good teams and and get to kind of see how you stack up against them. Philadelphia kind of seems like Blue Jays East they're 80 and 66 on the season, third placed, kind of trapped behind the Mets in Atlanta, who are two of the better teams in the National League. You could say the Phillies might be the fourth best team, with the Dodgers obviously being the number one team in the National League. Um, the thing with Philadelphia that makes them similar to Toronto is they started off the season pretty poorly. They go 22 and 29 and then opt to fire veteran manager Joe Girardi and they replace him with Rob Thompson. And they've gone 58 and 37 since. The Jays is the same thing after swapping out Charlie and bringing in John Schneider. The Jays have been killing it. It's, it's, yeah, it's interesting. Um, when we did our preview at the very beginning of the season, uh, this would have been back in late March. I said my hypothetical, interesting, funny World Series matchup would be the Blue Jays and the Phillies. 1993 reunion. I don't think it's going to happen, but hey, maybe maybe this week's two-gamer here is a is a World Series preview. You never know, right? Sign me up for that. Any, any World Series matchup that has the Blue Jays in it, I will sign up for gladly right now. Of course. The, the Phillies are kind of set up as a team that looks like they could go deep into the playoffs. I mean, there's a strong starting rotation here. You got Wheeler, of course. You got Aaron Nola. It's not amazing, but that's, that's a pretty damn good one-two punch. I mean, the Phillies look like a team that could potentially do some damage in the playoffs, but they're also one of those teams that loves to mess up. Their bullpen 
has been better this year than it has in the past. Hilariously, one of the key players they have is Brad Hand, who has a 2.22 ERA this season. Blue Jays legend Brad Hand killing it for the Phillies. I mean, that was kind of their undoing in the past is always, always hashtag Phillies bullpen just melting down. But this year they've gotten quite a bit better. So who knows? But yeah, two gamer with the Phillies. It's going to be Kyle Gibson. Then it's going to be Wheeler. Like you said, Bryce Harper is coming back. Um, is there anything else interesting to talk about? Did we did we cover everything? Do you want to circle yeah. back and do you want to circle back and talk more about how the Jays would do in the tri league or should we no, move on? No, I was I was very happy to be moved on from that one. Uh no, I, I'm just I'm I'm excited for this week of baseball. Obviously, this is a really fun time of year to be following baseball uh as we pr- approach October and, and everything that means. And it's just so nice to have the Jays in a place where you're talking playoffs basically guaranteed, right? Because yep. we had that, you know, two months ago where there was some moments that were a little tricky with the team yep. and the standings presented no guarantees. Um, and and it's probably been slept on how well the Jays have played lately. And part of that is because it's been mostly uh, pitching. It hasn't been offense carrying the team and, and scoring eight runs a game. But it's it's a very good team that is in the playoffs, has a chance to do some damage. And uh, yeah, I'm just excited to enjoy this next few weeks of baseball. So that's a, one more question I kind of have for you is now we're going down the stretch here with the new playoff format. And we know what the old playoff format looked like. It created a very interesting race last year with two teams going for a one game play. And the Jays, of course, wind up missing by a game. Seattle misses uh, just behind them by two. So there was, you know, those four teams gunning for two spots. Now it's basically Baltimore's kind of slowed down. So it does kind of feel like, you know, it's we kind of know who the three teams are going to be unless Seattle or Tampa are you know, maybe the Jays fall off a cliff and Baltimore really pulls it together. Do you like this format more? Do you think it's better? I I do because the Blue Jays are, I, am, I think of this purely through the lens of being a Blue Jays fan, being in the East and having the tough schedule that represents and and everything that comes with that. Uh, yeah, I, I like an additional playoff team um, because it increases the odds the Jays make it on a year where they're maybe good, not great. At the same time, Imagine the tension right now if we had last year's playoff format, because yes. one of the Mariners, Rays, and Blue Jays would not be making the playoffs. And that, that sure would change how the angst we would feel these next two weeks. So the tension has been removed because of that. At the same time, again, I, I want to see the team that I follow in the playoffs more often, and yeah. this playoff format helped accomplish that. So um, yeah, I, I've thought about that a lot, though, like how different this would feel right now. Mariners fans who had not been in the playoffs in 20 plus years, how that would feel because they've had such a great year. And yet, like, I think as of today, they'd be on the outside looking in by like half. Like it's they would. it would have created an unbelievable dynamic for these closing weeks. But I'm thankful that the uh, that it is how it is moving forward for uh, for Blue Jays reasons. Yeah, we dealt with this last year, and while it was fun, it was wildly stressful. It felt like the yeah. entire month of September was playoffs, and it was very draining. This now feels chill. They had a nice start to September. They're pretty comfortably in a spot. Um, they they control their own destiny, and that's what you want. Uh, BK, can I can for- I throw one thing in there real quick? Sure. Yeah. So one under one thing that's not being talked about as far as the playoff format at all by people is the scheduling that has been put together and whoever you start in the wild card series based on how they set up the AL playoff schedule will not be able to pitch twice in the DS. And that's huge because in every past year you would have a starter pitch either your first or second game. Then there'd be an off day, two games off day, final game. So that final game five, should you go there? your game one or game two starter would be on full rest to start in that game. 
This year, because of the wildcard format, it runs 7 to 9, uh, October 7th to 9th. Then there's a day off between those series, October 11th. That's not full rest for your game one starter uh, from the wildcard series, right? So if, uh, let's say, Manoa gets the ball, game one wildcard, Blue Jays win, they go to the DS. He would have to pitch on three days rest to pitch game one of the next series. In the past, that wouldn't have mattered because you just pitch him game two and he could still pitch game five. MLB screwed AL wildcard teams this year because the playoff format for the wild or for the division round is one game off day, four straight games. Oh, that's so terrible for travel. Too, whoever okay. starts, you know, totally. So whoever starts game two will not be on full rest for game five. So the Blue Jays are hurt in that way. Um, like I said, you know, either Brios or Stripling would start that game one. Um, uh, yeah, coming out of the previous series, but even if the Jays wanted to set it up in a way or had a way to, to start their preferred guy in game one of that series, they cannot pitch uh, in game five. So obviously this applies to the opponent the Blue Jays face. So, I mean, there's, you know, pros and cons to this, but it's it's an interesting dynamic. And um, uh, yeah, I'm really, I'm really curious how that'll play out. It kind of goes to show just how important it is for the Jays to like do well in this next little bit here and solidify their spot so they can maybe skip a guy's start. Say Alec Manoa doesn't have to pitch his, he doesn't have to go seven innings or something at the beginning of October against Baltimore to guarantee the Jays get in. It's, you know, you, you want to win now so that you're not dealing with situations like that. And I really hope that with this calendar, we're also not dealing with a situation where we have Yusei Kikuchi bullpen game in the playoffs. Yeah, and sorry, I misspoke to that. The last uh, the last point I made, um, obviously your game one wildcard starter cannot start game one of the DS, and that's why they don't get to start game five. Um, but yes, that, that rotation does kick back around. So it is, again, you only need four starters in the series, but uh, Manoa, Gossman, um, they are not going to be eligible to pitch twice in the, uh, in the uh, DS. Whereas if you're playing, um, obviously a team who had a buy, they can set up the rotation where they start their ace in game one and that gives them a big advantage. So uh, winning the division and finishing the top two in the AL holds a more significant advantage this year than it has in the past, which is uh, a bummer for us. The other thing that bugs me about this is the NL doesn't have this rule. NL is playing one, two, by uh, off day and then going into uh, uh, game three. So yeah, it's, is this it's a lockout weird. thing. Is this because they're, they're smushing it all in because of the, the delay to the season? Is that what that is? Or is this just something well, flawed? I think, I think typically they would start uh, the, sorry, the wildcard matchups, I think normally would be, they'd want to stagger them where there's like one game one day and then the next yeah. day there's two games. So one series starts next day. In this way, because of how much they're cramming in, um, yeah, the, the wildcard AL and NL are the same three days, seventh, eighth, and ninth for both. So yeah, I, I that that set it up and and it's yeah like i said it, it's frustrating that this impacts the al uh not the nl um and this probably comes across poorly over a podcast too as far as speaking through it but yep. uh it's different it's different than it's been in the past your game one or game two starter of the ds has always been able to start game five in the past that is no longer the case the reality is, is that this is the first go around with this new format and there's going to be lumps. So I imagine that the other thing is uh, the other, the other kind of lump here is um, how it doesn't reseed. So like everyone's talked so much about the advantage of being the third wildcard team, because then you get to play some mediocre central division team. Um, and then after that, you don't have to go ahead and play um, the Astros who are the best team in the American league in the second round. I mean, it, it would make sense, right. To have the teams reseed. Like if you're Houston, 
you'd want to just go up against the worst team, whoever it is, the team with Remaining, the lowest yeah. record. Yeah, exactly. You don't want, okay, well, they came out of this bracket, so that's who you're playing, right? That That's that's sort of strange. Yeah, I've always hated fixed brackets. It's just the way MLB's doing it. There's a lot of stuff in the playoff format I don't love. Again, I, I'm, I'm happy another team has been added, but beyond that, there's a lot of stuff I wish they'd change, and they don't, and the Jays just kind of have to deal with it this year. But hopefully it doesn't get in their way, and they can make a long playoff run regardless. Anyways, that's up it for us. We will be back on when is this series going to be finished? We'll be back on Thursday morning. I think it is a little two gamer shout out to DoorDash shout out to points bet shout out to BK for coming on today and chat and blue Jays. Enjoy this series with the Phillies. We will talk again later. Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.